Hey, this is Heather from the media team at Word Alive. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. This week, we have Andy Jenkins sharing about politics and the upcoming election from a biblical perspective. For more content like this, visit wordalive.tv. I hope you find this message enlightening. So lots of tension, too, in the news, right? Lots of tension about... um, Hey, things are exactly as they're supposed to be, yet they're not how they're supposed to be at all. And this week, I want to talk to you, just kind of picking up where Kent left off last week about Jesus being in your neighborhood. Now, I I think this, I think that a lot of you probably feel that tension that you're feeling when you walk in the news because our country is not what it used to be, right? I mean, how many of you, you wake up and you look on the news and you look at all the reports and you read the Facebook news feed and you just talk to people or, or you just remember Like, you just remember when you were a kid and you think, man, this is not what it was like when I was, I mean, like, look, I haven't been around that long. And I I know this is not what it was like when I was 10, 12, 15, 18, 20, 25, 30 years old. Here's here's the truth. If if you were, now now get this. If you were an adult growing up, living in Jeremiah's day, I'm talking about the prophet Jeremiah, you would have felt the exact same way. You would have felt that one time there was the worship of one true God. And one time everything was centered around the church, which was back then what a church. It was a, it was a temple. And back then, everybody like came to the temple and they offered sacrifice and worship over and over and over. Like, I, I remember like growing up, you know, my day, back when I was a kid, I mean, like we went to church on Sunday morning. We went on Sunday night. I remember we went on Tuesday night visitation to go see people. I mean, there, there'd be like 100 people there. Okay, the church didn't have like six or 700 people. Like it was an alive church. But like, I mean, one-sixth of the people, that's better than a tithe, would show up just to go visit people. We were there on Wednesday. We, we, I, I was there, honestly, I was there on Mondays and Thursdays also because we had a gymnasium. We'd just go play basketball. I remember getting up there, there'd be all kinds of people having Bible studies, you know, in all the different rooms at the gym. We'd be out there. Sometimes we'd have to run the women that were doing aerobics at the church out, you know, and occasionally there might be a big Bible study in there, but hey, can you guys really wrap that thing up? Because like, we want to play ping pong. I mean, everything's centered around the church. We go, we go, we go to the high school football game. Everybody would pray. There wasn't like any hiding it. You know, there wasn't like, you know, hey, let's just all take a moment of silence. And I mean, we, we prayed. And you look at it now and you think, wow, you know, things have, have changed. And if you were in Jeremiah's day, you would have thought the same thing. Like he, he was, get this, he was hauled off to, and some of you think this is kind of what we are now. You, 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 you're probably not right, but, but this, this is how you feel. And your feeling is valid. He was hauled off to, from, from the place that worshiped God, all the way to the most pagan culture that existed, like, ever. Babylon. I mean, idol worship, multiple god worship. These are the guys like, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, fiery furnace guy, Babylon. Um, big statue up to yourself. Everybody bows down and worships. That's Babylon. You know, the handwriting on the wall, because the, the kingdom is so horrible, at, that's Babylon. The, the country that was just mowing down country after country after country and then hauling the best and the brightest back to their country, that's, that's Babylon. That's where he went. I mean, changing the names. They changed the names of all these boys when they got there, and they'd name them after their gods. Like Daniel's name changed at Babylon. And, and he's there, and he looks up, and he's thinking like, hey, God, what happened? 
like some of you, me, like this is not, this is not where I grew up. This is not how it's supposed to be. Here's what God said. This is the context of that whole verse. I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. You're living in a country that is not the land it was. I am thinking thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. This is what, okay, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are fighting. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Some of you are thinking, is there a third option? Really, because you're looking at one, and I'm not going to say which one's which. You're looking at one and go, this one's so crooked, and this one's so inappropriate, and this one's really polished and probably would get along with like world leaders better, and this one, like you don't know what this one's going to say at any given moment. This one doesn't even know what he's going to say. And you're thinking, are there any other options? Like, do we have to choose one of these? I know the thoughts, I think. Peace. And you're like, peace with these? Not evil. You're like, you got to be kidding me. Like, if you read the news feed, Jesus, peace, not evil, give you a future and a hope, then you'll call on me. You'll go and pray, and I will, I'll hear you. You'll seek me, you'll find me when you seek me. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Written to a guy in the exact same, probably worser, situation as you and I. His context, things had changed everywhere. No longer the worship of one God. No First Amendment protection. No, no even like Second Amendment protection. They, they didn't even have that. that. That was gone. And God says, I know. I'm going to hear you. going to hear it. I hear you, I see you, and I know, and I have you in history here just for this time. The reality is in Jeremiah's day, things were never perfect when he was growing up. The reality for me and you is things were never perfect when I was a kid. We have always had scandal. We have always had crooked politicians. We have always wanted other choices Maybe we just didn't know about all of it because we didn't have the news feed on 24-7 on our cell phones. It's never been perfect. As for certain, sometimes it's been a little smoother than others. But it's never been perfect. And here's what's interesting is, is here's the advice God gives Jeremiah in that moment, okay? Because this is like some of you would think, well, God's going to give him the advice. He's going to say, just go hunker down in the prayer closet and hide. Like, can we hide for four years? And then if that doesn't work, can we hide for eight? And then maybe we'll have a better, you know, understanding of someone coming on. And then here's what God says. He says, hey, wait, this is the whole context, okay? I just read you Jeremiah 29, 11, Jeremiah 29, 5, build houses. In Babylon, build houses. In the most pagan country, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens, eat their fruit, take wives, beget sons and daughters. I mean, how many of you ever thought like your, your potential parents, you go, I just don't want to bring kids into this world. This world's so bad. Like I've heard that you've been there. Yeah, you're thinking about it. You go, this world's, I don't want to. Sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and daughters. You go in Babylon? Like there's, there's, no, like there's no good people here. We're in Babylon. Take wives for your sons and daughters. Give your daughters to husbands in, in Babylon. 
so that they may bear sons and daughters. Like he's talking about grandkids now. Like so you build a house, get married, plant a garden, live there, dwell. This is long-term thinking. This is not you just run down to the, what store do we have here? Like the Zippy Mart or the Publix or the Walmart or the Starbucks. Target. This is not just run in and grab something. This is like you premeditate and you plan and you build a life. And then you and your wife or you and your husband and you have kids and you raise them to have kids in a land that is not your own land. Increase there. Don't diminish and seek the peace of the city where I, I've caused you to be there. Like, this didn't just happen by accident. God's saying, like, hey, Jeremiah, I put you there. I put you in Babylon. He's looking at you going, hey, I know this is not what you planned. I know this. Like, you would rather have somebody else. You'd rather have more options. You'd rather be something else because I put, like, you're here because I, I put you here. Like, like America needs, needs you. Okay, like in this, this place, for whatever reason, this time in history, like they need something of heaven that you carry in your spirit. He goes, I put you there, and in that city's peace, you will have peace. And I'm thinking, why, why would God do that? And why does he say this to Jeremiah? And why would he say this to us today? And here's at least two reasons I could think of. And you know, I'm going to say these, and then we're going to kind of explain them. And I'm on this mission, send you out to kind of live in Babylon. Deal? Theological reason. Proverbs 21.1 says this. It says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he fashions it and shapes it like channels of water, like rivers of water, wherever he wants it to go. And I know you say, God, would you shape it a little bit quicker? Or could you do a little bit more work on that one? Whichever one is that one for you, you know? Could you? And there are all these stories all throughout the Bible where things happen like God puts Nebuchadnezzar, the big bad guy, he puts him out living in the field as an animal for seven years. I mean, if he wants to do something, he can do it. And I don't have a reason why he doesn't do some things that he doesn't do. I'm, like I, my point is not to fill in the gap or make up a bunch of answers. I know I just raised a huge question. I don't know, but we know that. Okay, Hillary's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Donald's heart, or he goes by Trump, she goes by Hillary, is in the hand of the Lord. He can fashion it. He can channel it like rivers of waters wherever he wants that thing to go. And here's what I'm saying. Like, one of them is going to get into office, and I wouldn't be surprised if something happens. And he, I mean, you guys saw that in the last two weeks, right? He can bring a boomerang back at any given time that he wants and change things literally overnight because the king's hand is in the heart of the Lord, and he fashions it however he wants to. First Peter says this, honor all people. Give honor to where it's due. Honor the king. And you go, well, 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 he must have had a really good king. Right? No, he had a king, get this, that was getting our brothers and sisters and feeding them to lions. He had a king that would get our brothers and sisters and they had a coliseum where they'd have games. And in the evening, they didn't have electricity. So he would wrap them in resin and pitch them in oil. And he would light them, our brothers and sisters, to provide light for his games. 
He had a king who wanted to do a building project in Rome, and he couldn't because there were buildings there. And so the king himself, the emperor, burnt down all of the buildings himself, and then he needed a scapegoat. So he blamed the Christians, and then they were persecuted even more because of that. That's the king that Peter says, honor that king. Was it easy? No. Does it make sense? Absolutely not. But somehow we just trust that things are on a bigger stage and we don't have to have all the answers. You see? Here, here's another verse, theological, that kind of wrap your head around this one because this one, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense either, but it's there. And so we have to wrestle with it. Let every soul... It's like, that's me. It's you. He, he says, you... Be subject to the governing authorities. Just the good ones, right? No, no, no. For there's no authority except from God. None. That means nobody gets office on Tuesday except for God knew about it. Nobody. Nobody's on your city council except for, you say, well, they don't even believe in God. I, I know. Well, they, they, don't even, they don't even have good policy. I know. No authority except for God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. The authority, the governing authority, is God's minister to you for good. Tuesday, Hillary or Donald will be God's minister to you for good. Oh, that doesn't even make sense in the sentence, does it? But like, that's, that's, it's kind of tricky because I just read it, you know? God's minister to you for good. Because of this, you pay taxes. There are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. What are they attending to? You're good. You go, but I don't think so. But I know there's tension. Remember the tension like at the communion table, like tension like sometimes what we see doesn't make sense with what the reality of it all is. Because of this, you also pay taxes. Oh, goodness. So that's the theological answer. Everybody wrap their head around it? Let me give you the practical answer. The practical answer is this, politics. Politics is, this is just straight out of the you know, straight out of the dictionary right there. Politics is the total complex of relations between people living in society. What is that? That means the way we get along with our shared public life is politics. You get it? The way we get along, like, in the public arena, and not how we live in our homes or not how we live in the church, but how we live out there, it's all politics. Now, now catch this. More, more just from the dictionary. Politics, the Greek word polis, anybody ever heard that word? Okay, meaning city or community, that's a polis, is a city or community. And the related word polites, meaning citizen, so you're all polites. Okay, <laughs> just look at the person next to you, hey, you polites, yeah. That's, um, so all you polites here, citizens, that gives us the roots polis and polit, or polis and polit. Words from the Greek, polis and polites, have something to do with cities or communities or the citizens who live in them. Does everybody kind of see that root word? Now let me show you some things. that You, you already knew this. Like a metropolis, there's, see the root right there? What's a metropolis? It's the most important city in an area. Okay, So Coldwater is the metropolis of 
uh, th this exit, right? That's that's. Um, the the police, they're to protect and serve the polities, which is the citizens, which is you, right? It's all these root words coming from this. Politics is the art and science of governing. I know you thought it was something else because you watched the news and you're like, ah, it's not an art, it's not a science, it's, so, it's, a, it's something else, but that, that's really what it is. Um, here, here's the big one right here. Policy is the written and unwritten process used to govern. You kind of start fleshing out. Say, here's what I'm saying. Like politics is not once every four years. Politics is not, oh, we got the news feed. Oh, we're going after this guy, going after that gal. Oh, we don't like him. We don't like her. I'm with him. I'm with her. You know, whatever. It's, it's, politics and policy, it is, it's roads. It's schools. It's water, it's the fire department, it's parks, it's, it's all of the beautiful things about our shared life. Like this morning, um, how many of you had to hike through the woods to get here? No, you used a road, and that's politics. How many of you got a shower this morning? Wait, don't say that. Um, how many of you, that'd be awkward if your neighbor didn't get a shower. How many, how many of you, how many of you, you brushed your teeth this morning, and there was water there when you turned on the tap? That's politics. How many of you have kids that tomorrow, praise Jesus, will go to school and you'll have a day because you've had them all weekend. That's politics. How, how many of you, when you get there, there'll probably be a security guard or some sort. That's politics. If the building catches on fire while your kids are there, how many of you know that there are going to be 10 or 20 or 30 men and women in outfits with protective gear to show up with sirens blaring and they will make sure that your kids are safe and they will rush into a burning building? That is politics. It is the beauty of our shared life that we live together and how we organize to get along, not in here and not in our homes, but in the public arena. And that's not the national level only. That is something that happens every single day of the year. Do you see? Now, another one, politicians. Here's what I want to share with you about politicians. They're human, right? Um, they change positions. Here's what's bizarre to me is we'll like watch the news and we'll see one of the politicians uh, debating with another politician, not taking sides because they both, in fact, all four of them have done this. They've said, yeah, but 15 or 20 years ago, you said, and I'm thinking, goodness, man, I, I hope people don't pull something out that I said last week because how many of you have changed your mind on some things? Like I've changed my mind theologically even on some things in the last five years. Right? I mean, so why don't we give the grace? Like, why would we expect a politician to be, like, static and have all the answers when they're 30? And then, I mean, because I know you and I knew everything when we were 30, right? But, but then never grow again. And never change and never develop. So they're, they're human and they change position and, and they change relationships. And so the media is really big about looking and going, hey, well, they're in a picture right here with this guy or with this gal or with this world leader. And they, and they so take things out of context. I mean, gosh, don't all of our relationships flow? And don't you and I sometimes hang out and present with people that we don't agree with on everything? And it doesn't mean that we agree with everything because we're in the same picture together, in the same room together, do you see? And politicians notoriously do this last one. They notoriously waste money, right? And how many of you would look back at your own budget and all the money that's come through your hands in the last few years and you'd think, huh, man, if I had it to do again, I would spend it exactly like I spent it. 
I mean, how many of you can look back at your own spending and go, gosh, I really wasted it on that, and I really wasted it on that, and I, oh, good night, golly. And what I'm saying is maybe we extend the same grace to the people that are in office, whether that's on the national level. I mean, they're just trying to figure it out. And if you and I can't figure out our household perfectly, how are we going to expect them to figure out all this other stuff, especially with the bullseye on their back and everybody kind of targeting at them? Do you see? So here's who you vote for. Go with the policy, not the personality. Go see what they say about all the issues, about how, what they want to do about your roads, what they want to do with your aging parents, what they want to do with retirement, what they want to do with people that have served us in the military, what they want to do with where does life start and stop, and what they want to do with all these other decisions about national defense and security, and what they want to do with taxes, and what they want to do with income, and what they want to do with uh, people coming into our country, and what they want to do with people who are already here that might have gotten here in a tricky way, and just go look at all of those things and you just look at that policy and line it up with what scripture says and put the personality to the side you see this has always always been the tension the tension is this that this is not our home any more than Babylon was Jeremiah's home Hebrews says you are a stranger here you're in exile here you are passing through was walking on a trail the other day. There's this sign that says, like, um, you know, take nothing, leave only footprints. And the reality is, while you're passing through here, you really can't take anything with you. You can leave the footprints of your master every single place you go because Christ lives in you. And so as you are here in exile, as a stranger, you know, St. Augustine, this big theologian from back in the day, he said, there is this tension. This is a guy from like, you know, 380. He said, there's this tension that there is the city of man and there's this city of God. And the city of God is bigger and it's eternal. And somehow that city of God, like it touches down in the city of man. And the city of God is to bless the city of man. Isn't that what Jeremiah said? You live there. You're in exile here. Build your house. You're in exile here. You're a stranger. It's not supposed to feel like home. You're in exile here and love the relationship that you have and leave the footprints of the master, but live here knowing that I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray because God wants all people to be saved. Right? That's what 1 Timothy says. He says, even pray for those in authority because God even wants people who hijacked an email server to be saved. And he even wants people who said inappropriate things about women who we would never let our daughters date to be saved. And at some point, one of them is going to be his ordained minister for your good. In a land that's not your own. And see, so often we want to live like this, like there's the world. And I'm in the city of God, and so I'm going to live way over here, way to the side. And I don't want the world to touch me, and I don't want the leaders to stain me. And Jesus says, what did, what did he pray right before he died? You know, we, we talked about this, right? You know, communion right, right before he shed his blood and the bread and, and invited us to the tension of him living here, yet him coming. What did he say? He said, Father, my prayer for all of you. My prayer for all of you sitting here, my prayer for all of you sitting over here is not that you take these people out of this world, 
Scripture says God so loved the world. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world as bad as it was. Okay, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I don't pray that you take them out of the world. He says, I pray that you put them in the world. And that as they're in the world, they become one so that the world will see. So the way you build your house, the world's going to see. And the way that you raise those kids and then watch them like this from a kid to be a peer to be one day, he's going to be a father in this house, right? And the way that you do that, like the world is going to see. And the way that you get a better nation, get this, is you get a better state. And the way that you get a better state is you get a better region. The way that you get a better region is how do you do that? You get a better city. The way that you get a better city is you get a better neighborhood. The way you get a better neighborhood is you get what? You get a better you. Well, let, me, let me tie this all like to the father of the house's uh, message last week, right? He can't have these great slides. Houses of light. You remember it? I'm, I'm going to do them in reverse because he said... He said that you have this house of light, and what happens? Like, it just bursts forth the area around it, right? Well, there's our whole nation. How do you get a better nation? You get a better state. How do you get a better state? A better region. better region starts with a better house, and that starts with you and me. Do you see? I know, I know, I know there's a lot of tension for a lot of you. I'm so sorry that we are at this point where we have to go through it and that we have more questions than we have answers. I'm sorry that you feel that somehow God has abandoned you. And my word to you is that he he is not. I can't fill in all the gaps and explain all the whys. But I do know that he says that I have you here for such a time as this. I do know that he says all things work together for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. I do know that your master, that your mentor, shortly before he died on the cross for your sins and the sins of the whole world, he said, don't take them out, leave them in because they are the light and the light of a city of a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine that people may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. And be standing. I'm going to invite the prayer team up as we dismiss here. If this is your day and you just need to connect with your Heavenly Father and this is your day to be saved, they'll be up here. I invite you after we dismiss to come see them. We have got so much time until the next service. There is no rush. You can come see them as well. There'll be people out in the connection for prayer. If you need prayer for healing, if you need a word from the Lord, all the signs are out there. This week, as you go, as you go vote, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May he make his face a favor shine upon you. May you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit walking with you. In fact, just hold out your hands and just sense his presence physically on you. And may you know that wherever you go, he says, I'm walking before you. I'm walking behind you. I've hemmed you in. There is nowhere you can go from my presence. As you go, may you build your family even today. May you bless your neighbors even today. 
And may you sense and know that you are called for such a time as this. In Jesus' good name. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to wordalive.tv. Have a great week.